Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here today. Uh, like Pastor Jeff said, my name is Mikey. I'm from uh, Heartland Church in Carrollton, Texas. And uh, man, it's just great to be here. And shout out to the worship team, man. Y'all rocked it. That was awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. That was, that was so great. I'm going to shout out. First and foremost, I just want to give honor where honor is due. And uh, I first want to shout out my parents, Mike and Marty. And uh, thanks so guys, thanks so much, guys, for being here with me. This is actually the first ministry speaking experience that they've come with me on. So I'm really excited about that. Thanks so much for being here. And uh, to Jeff and to Kim, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Kim, thank you guys. Y'all are amazing. And uh, I'll tell y'all what, that nurse didn't know what she was talking about because they do a lot, okay? <laughs> they, do, they do a ton for this church. I'm sure you can say amen. Um, and then finally, I just, Carly, I love you, babe. Thank you so much for being my partner in all this. And uh, I wouldn't rather do life with anybody else. I love you. Well, today, our theme verse is from Hebrews chapter 11, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12. And it starts with this word, therefore, because in Hebrews chapter 11, it details what a lot of people call the hall of fame of faith. There's a lot of different people in that Hebrews chapter 11, like Abraham and Noah, and it goes through everything that they did and everything that God did through them. And it's all about how God can do an incredible thing through ordinary people, right? And so then we pick it up in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I just want to take a quick little pause right there because I think this is too cool to just fly on by. This, this idea of a great cloud of witnesses. That there's all these people from Hebrews chapter 11, like Abraham, like Noah, who are in heaven right now watching us live our lives. And I believe that if there's people like that up in heaven watching us, well, then I believe that, that our loved ones are up there watching us right now as well. And they make up this incredibly great cloud of witnesses. And so in this case, it continues, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In other words, hey, we're still in the game. We're still running our race. We're not up there in the great cloud of witnesses yet. We're going to keep running lap after lap after lap. And I like to think about this idea of life kind of like a track meet. You know, we, we have this lap system where we're continually running, continually going, and if we're being honest together today, and some laps can be a little more difficult than others. Some years can be a little bit more difficult than others. Some seasons of life can be more difficult than others. Man, during this coronavirus pandemic, I think that that's more apparent than, than ever before. And the racial tension that's going on in our nation, man, our nation needs Jesus like it never has before. And so if we think about this idea of, of, of life like a track meet, and we're running lap after lap after lap, and we have this great cloud of witnesses that are in the stands just rooting us on, cheering for us, how cool would it be to take one of those Hall of Fame of Faith people, pull them out of the stands, and have them run one lap of our life with us? What would they say? What stories would they tell? What encouragement would they give? You know, I wish I could say that I thought about this all by myself, but this idea actually comes from John Maxwell, one of the, the, the best uh, generational leaders 
that, that we've seen in a long time. And he wrote this book called Running with the Giants. And it talked all about the, these Hall of Fame of Faith people. And then he wrote a sequel with a whole new different list of characters. And he called that Learning from the Giants. And then he wrote a third one. And it was all about women in the Bible and learning from them. And so he called that, instead of calling them giants, he said, wisdom from women in the Bible. He knows better than to call women giants, everybody. (laughs) But we do know that there was at least one large woman in Scripture. It was the lady of Samaria, some area. Okay, that's a bad joke. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) But today, (laughs) we'll fly on right by that. Today, I do want to pull out a woman from Scripture. And uh, today we're going to pull out of the stands Mary, Jesus' mom. Probably one of the most misunderstood women in Scripture. In fact, some religions actually paint her as a god. To which I believe Mary would say, no, 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 it's, it, it's all about Jesus. It's not about me. Don't even think about doing that. But I think that a lot of the time we don't picture Mary this way. But she was honestly probably just a frightened teenage girl, if we're being honest. Ainge scholars believe that Mary was somewhere between the ages of 14 and 16 years old whenever an angel visited her and said, hey, you're going to get pregnant without ever being with a man. And not only are you going to be pregnant, but the baby is going to be God. So, good luck. See you later. Like, you can only imagine like, what Mary, what's going through Mary's mind in that moment. Like, she's not saying, oh, yay, great for me. This is amazing. This is going to be so incredible. No, that's probably not what's going through her mind like that. She's, gonna, she's saying stuff like, why me, first of all? Is this real? Like, is this actually happening? Like, what are people going to say when I start showing? This is, this is a disaster. And so I think that the situation of life that Mary would be able to talk to us about, her expertise would be in the area for when God asks you to do something outside of your comfort zone. If you're ever in a place where God just isn't making sense in your life. If you're just so confused and in a season where where nothing makes sense, then I think Mary would come up to us and she would say, hey, don't you miss your moment with God. Don't miss your moment with God. Like, Like this is bigger than you think it is. God is at work better than you could ever even imagine. And I think Mary would say something like, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So it isn't always going to make sense. Are you okay with that? Because he's not like us. Mary would coach us and she would say, don't you dare miss your moment with God. Did you know that God is trying to have more moments with you than you realize? In fact, I believe that that our God is a moment's God. He is always speaking. He is always reaching out and constantly when I talk to people about this, they say, well, Mikey, why can't I hear him? If he's constantly talking to me, if he's constantly reaching out to me, why can I never hear him? And church, I would submit to you today that I don't believe that God has a speaking problem. I think that we have a hearing problem. And so Mary is saying, let me coach you. Let me help you on how to decipher, how to understand the voice of God and how it can always and a lot of the time seem like it's different than the way that we think. Here's the first point that I believe Mary would make to us today. She would say, God moments often seem impossible. God moments often seem impossible. See, I believe that oftentimes God speaks to us about 
dreams or, or desires or visions that we should have in our life. And we talk back to him and say, ha, no, thank you. <laughs> Lord, do you, do you realize how difficult that would be for me? Do you realize how inconvenient that is for me and my life? God, I don't have time to join that dream team. I don't have time to serve my church. I don't have time to serve my community. I don't have time to help my friend with this. Like, like that's so much stuff that you're asking of me right now, God. Do you realize how inconvenient that is? And that's where we pick up Mary's story in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 34. An angel is speaking to her right here, and he says, You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And I love what Mary's response to that sentence, that passage of Scripture is. I I crack up every single time. Mary goes, okay, but how? (laughs) For sure, it's going to happen? Okay, but how's that going to happen? How will this be, says Mary? I'm sorry, angel, but do you even know how babies are made? What are you thinking right now? How am I get, how's this going to happen to me if I'm a virgin? And I just want to say something right here today, church. God is going to do things in your life and move in such incredible and miraculous ways. And if I'm being honest, a lot of the time, it's just not going to make sense. Like, is that fair? Honestly, I struggle with God on this one. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be transparent. I struggle with God on this. I'm like, God, can you just, can you just make it make sense for me? Please, like, I, I want to be a smart boy, okay? Just help me make, make it make sense to me. Please, God. I've had friends come up to me and they say, Mikey, I, I can't follow Jesus until I understand it. Can't follow it until I understand it. And I look at those people and I say, man, then you're going to miss the best parts of what God has to offer. Like, what you're doing right now is you're taking God and you're trying to... to to make him fit into the size of your brain, which is really small as it is. I don't say that part. How great would it be, church, if we could get out of here and just get into here for a second? Like, let's get with God right here and stop trying to make it make sense all the time. Does that make sense, everybody? In May, my wife, Carly, and I, uh, we just celebrated five years of marital bliss best five years of my life. Hope it's been the best five years for you. Well, hope so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we've had a great marriage. It's been fantastic. I love her to death. But that doesn't mean that we haven't gone through some hard times, right? That's fair. Everybody goes through some tough seasons. And uh, actually, Carly and I are actually coming out of right now a tough season in our life. You see, back in January of this year, January 2020, we were going through 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I, I think you guys have something similar, right? So we were going through 21 days of prayer and fasting to start the year. And I don't remember exactly what day it was. But towards the beginning of, of, of the 21 days, I was home alone. Carly was out walking our dog, Ranger. And, and I just threw on some worship music and just spent some time with God. You know, we were, we were trying to do everything we could to stay disciplined in this. And we wanted to hear from God every single day. And so I just threw some worship music on, and I was praying and worshiping. And, and all of a sudden, I, I feel the Holy Spirit rise up in me, and I feel like the Lord God said, Mikey, this is going to be your wife, Carly's, last year as a teacher. This is it. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Are you, are you sure, God? Are, are you serious right now? Because that's kind of a big deal. 
You know, I, don't, I, don't, I know teachers don't get paid like athletes, but they start off pretty good, and they come with pretty good benefits. And man, that's, Are you sure, God? <laughs> you sure? Okay. And so I was trying to formulate a plan of exactly how I was going to tell Carly that I, that I felt like God was speaking this to me. And uh, she gets home from, from walking our dog, and she walks in the door, and I say, Babe, I feel like God spoke to me just now, and I wanted to talk to you about it. And she looks at me, and she says, Well, hey, I, I thought God spoke to me while I was on this walk, and I wanted to talk to you about it. And I said, Okay, well, yeah, I, I just really thought God was telling me that this was going to be your last semester teaching. God spoke, and her jaw drops. And she's like, You've got to be kidding me. God spoke the exact same thing to me. Like, First of all, can we just celebrate that? Like, that's a cool God moment, right? Like, we were freaking out in that moment. Like, God, you're so cool. <laughs> like, it was such a cool moment for us. And so we, you know, we, we took the leap of faith. And, and at the beginning of March, they send out their teacher contracts. And she wrote on there that she wasn't coming back. She told all of her, her coworkers and her principal that she wasn't coming back. And, and we didn't have anything lined up for, for the summer or for the fall. And, and we just took the leap of faith, everybody. And then guess what happened? COVID-19 happened. <laughs> and everywhere around us, people are losing their jobs left and right. And I look at Carly and I say, what have we done? What is happening right now? We threw away a great job with a great salary and great benefits. What have we done? How are you going to be able to get a job during all of this? But you know what? We may have been freaking out a little bit and we may have been stressed a little bit, but can I tell you what we never did? is we never lost our faith. We never gave up hope in our God. You see, we we like to live our lives in in a way that we just kind of expect the favor of God on our life. Is that fair? Like, we live righteously. We we do what the Bible asks us to do. And so we believe that God is going to bless us for that. Is that fair to say? So so we kind of walk in the favor of God, we walk in his righteousness, and we just expect God to do amazing things for our lives, and this was no different. We said, God, we don't know how you're going to do it, but we know that you're going to come through for us. You see, a big reason that we wanted to, to to get out of this teaching gig is because we love ministry so much. And being a teacher, I don't know if there's any teachers in the room right now, but God bless you, because teaching is such a difficult thing. You're talking 12-hour days all the time. You're so exhausted by the end of the day. You don't want to do anything else. And so I wanted my wife to come alongside of me in ministry and have time to do that. And a big deal for us was that in order to do that, it would probably be great if she could have a flex job or a work-from-home job. So those were our two big things, is that we wanted her to be able to have time to do ministry, and we wanted her to work from home. Well, church, I'm so excited to tell you that literally two days ago, on Friday... Carly accepted a position with the missions organization, One Hope, and she is going to be working from home and working in full-time ministry, everybody. Like, like God is good. You know what I'm saying? He's so good. He is so faithful. And I promise you, just walk in his favor. Walk in righteousness. Do things the right way and expect the favor of God, everybody. Expect it. Walk in it. My voice cracked a little bit. I'm excited about this. Walk in that favor of God. Also, just a little side note. You know what she's going to be doing at One Hope? This is really cool. She's going to be leading a team of people, a project manager, who is going to be writing a study Bible for teenagers. Is that not awesome? That's so cool. I'm so proud of you, babe. You're going to rock that. It's going to be awesome. But can I tell you that during that season 
where we were frustrated and confused. We were just as confused as anybody else. Pastor Jeff and Kim, they could tell you that we don't just preach this stuff. We have to go home and live it just like you do. We have to live this. We have to have faith. We have to believe for good things. And all I can tell you this morning is exactly what Jesus would tell you. And that is that with man, this is impossible, but not with God. Because with God, all things are possible. I'm just here to encourage you this morning, Life Church. Maybe some of you are confused right now. You're frustrated at a job situation, a marriage situation, a family situation. I don't know what it is in your life right now, but you, you just feel frustrated. You feel broken a little bit. You feel tired a little bit. And you don't know where God is in all of this. Can I just tell you that we may not understand it, but God's ways are always better than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. All we have to do is say yes to him. Does that make sense, everybody? Here's the second thing I think Mary would say. She would say, when God moments come, just say yes. It's so easy, right? (laughs) Not. When God moments come, just say yes. Don't try to figure it out. Just say yes. See, this next line in scripture that I'm about to read is where I personally believe that Mary actually got pregnant. She's like, I don't know how you're going to do this, God. But she says, I am the Lord's servant. I don't understand your words, but may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her and she gets pregnant. She's miraculously, she gets pregnant in that moment. And listen, in the days to come, there's going to be some troubled times. There's going to be some rough seas over the next few months. Like she's about to start showing in a few months. And I'm sure Mary's family is going to be like, really, Mary? Like, really? You you and Joseph couldn't have waited just a little bit longer? Come on, really? Like the, 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 the religious people of that day are saying, Mary, you realize we stone people for stuff like this? And then I can imagine Joseph, everybody, like Joseph saying, really? Really? This is what's, okay, I, I trust you. And so there's, a, there's some tough times that are coming up for Mary. And she's probably not saying, oh, this is amazing. I've got God in my womb. This is great. No, there was probably confusion. There was probably doubt. There was probably ridicule, worry, anger. But I love that Mary is saying, you know what? There may be confusion and there may be worry and there may be anger, but I'm still going to trust my God. I'm still going to believe that what he wants for me is best. So I'm going to say yes to him. Someone in here needs to hear this today. That always in God and following through with his plan for your life is not always the easy thing, but it is always the right thing. 100% of the time, it is the right thing. When Jesus says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. It just may not always look like the way you thought it was going to happen. Do you remember that synagogue ruler Jairus? This is one of my favorite stories in scripture. The synagogue ruler Jairus He has a daughter who's about to die, right? And so he, of course, goes after Jesus because he knows that Jesus can come and heal his daughter. And so he he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, Jesus, please, I need you to come heal my daughter. She's about to die. And Jesus is like, okay, cool, let's go. And so he pops up and he goes over to Jairus' house. And on the way to Jairus' house, all these other people start coming up to Jesus and they're saying, hey, we need healing. Can, Can you heal me, Jesus? So Jesus starts touching other people and doing ministry, and, and it slows him down on the way to Jairus' house. Can you imagine if your son or your daughter is dying and you know the one person that can heal her in that moment is kind of slowing down on the way to your house? 
Like, what do you do if you're Jairus? If I'm Jairus in that moment, I'm saying, Jesus, no. You can come back for them. I need you. My daughter is literally about to die if you do not come. It's getting too late for you to do something. Side note, don't ever tell God it's getting too late for him to work. He's saying, God, it's getting too late for you to do something. And he takes his time and he continues to heal people. And then one of Jairus' friends comes up and he says, hey, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. It's over. And Jairus in that moment, can you just imagine the, the agony? Jesus, I came to you in plenty of time. I did what I knew to do. And yet now my daughter's dead because you wouldn't hurry up and get to her. Don't, you know what? Don't even worry about it anymore. I'm going to go bury my daughter. Thanks for nothing. And of course, Jesus, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Mark chapter 5, 36, says, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Just believe. Church, what is it today in your life that you're so worried about, you're so confused about, you're so hurt about, that you just need God to look you in the eyes and say, hey, don't worry. I've got you. Will you trust me? Will you lean on, on me for your hope? Don't be afraid. Just believe. And then, of course, Jesus goes and, and raises her daughter, or Jairus' daughter from the dead. You see, what I love so much about this verse is that Jairus came to Jesus and asked Jesus to heal his daughter. But healing was never the end goal for Jairus. Jairus' end goal was that he wanted a happy and healthy daughter. It doesn't matter how we get to that point, right? He just wants a happy and healthy daughter. But you see, to Jairus, so in order to get a happy and healthy daughter... She needed to be healed from her sickness. But for Jesus, he wanted to work a miracle. And so for, in order for Jairus to have a happy and healthy daughter, he didn't want to heal her. He wanted to raise her from the dead. And so the question becomes, will we still be okay if Jesus wants to move in our life differently than the way that we think he should? Are you okay with God answering your miracle, even if he answers it in a different way? Don't give up on Jesus just because the opportunity for him to work is gone. Because what looks like a dead end to us is just a doorway for our God. Amen, somebody? Hang in there, church. You got this. You got this. I want to tell you a story about somebody in our church. His name's Jason. He's a friend of mine, and it's so funny. I actually uh, spoke this message a couple of months ago at Heartland Church. And uh, about two or three weeks after I spoke that message, I'd forgotten all about it. And Jason walked up to me and he said, hey, Mikey, I wanted to let you know that I quit my job because of you. And I looked at him. I was like, what? You did what now? I don't want to be responsible. I mean, this man has kids, you know, like I, I don't want to be responsible. What did I do? And he looked at me and he said, I just I want you to know that, you know, my, my job was kind of asking me to do some shady things that I wasn't cool with for a long time. And uh, I really felt like God was, was kind of urging me to go into business with my wife. My wa his wife is a photographer. And uh, I, I really feel like God was urging me to go into business with my wife. And, and I just want you to know that when you said just say yes to God and don't be afraid, just believe, like it really encouraged me. And I just wanted to let you know that I quit my job that very next day on Monday morning. 
and I started going into business with my wife, and we're making more money than we ever have before. Like, it's God's faithfulness, everybody. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always going to be there for you. All we got to do is ask. Point number three, here's the third thing I think Mary would say. Your God moment will open the door for God's best in your life. This means that when God is moving in a different way than you would like for him to, he's right. He's right. And what he wants is better. And I'm convinced of that, by the way. I know I'm only 27 years old. I've been a believer for about 15 years. And I recently, I made up my mind to stop asking God a lot of questions. I I stopped asking God a lot of questions. In fact, the line that I use when I'm talking to God is this. God, I'm okay with hearing the explanation when I get to heaven. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with hearing the explanation when I get to heaven. Because the Bible says that when we get to heaven, our eyes are going to be opened. And you see, I, I think that a lot of people, they think, they think that whenever we get to heaven, it's going to be like this hallelujah chorus, right? Like we get to heaven and it's just a big group of people going, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Like, right? Like that's what they think. I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that's the case. I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be a bunch of people lined up around Jesus And their eyes are going to be opened and they're going to be like, oh, so that's why you, oh God, that makes so much more sense. I'm so glad that we did it your way. I'm so glad that we did it your way, God, because your way was right. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to do it your way. And so before Mary jogs back up into the stands, I think she would leave us with three very short parting words for us. The first thing she would say is she would say, stay connected to God. Stay connected to God. I I think that the enemy of the relationship with God is the pace of our life. Like like we get so distracted and so confused and and so worried with what's going on here that we forget about our, our relationship and what's going on here. And so I think that that we need to figure out the right way to lean into God. The right way. Some of us are due for just a good pondering in the Holy Spirit. Love that word, pondering. We're due for a good pondering. Just sitting with some worship music going on in your room and letting God give you the assurance that He is there for you. This is, this is what I do when I'm feeling hurt, when something bad's happened to me at the church, or when people break my heart, and it happens a lot. And I'll sit in that, and I'll just turn some worship music on, and And I don't even have the effort or energy to pray or say anything. I'll just sit and let God heal my heart. And I believe that's what a lot of us need in this room today. Like, let God heal your heart. The second parting word that I believe Mary would give us is she would say, stay connected to your purpose. Stay connected to your purpose. I think what kept Mary going is that she realized that she was actually carrying the Savior of the world. And that he was destined for greatness. And the mantle that was on her life because she was the mother. In fact, at Jesus' dedication, Simeon says to Mary, he says, this child is destined. And I believe one of the reasons he says that is because Mary was doubtful and worried and and confused and just needed the reminder. No, Mary, this baby is destined for great things. This baby is going to be the savior of the world. 
And church, I believe that knowing your purpose in life is one of the keys to success in your life. So what's your next step? What's your next step in your your faith walk with Jesus? Is it figuring more out about life church? Is it it getting more plugged in? Is it getting in a connect group? Is it it figuring out your calling? Is it figuring out where you're supposed to serve? Is it trying to, to write curriculum? What is your spiritual passion? Because our job as pastors is to find that glowing ember inside of you. And as Paul puts it in 2 Timothy, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. We want to find that ember that's inside of you and just fan it into flames. Because I promise you, your life is going to take off when you find your spiritual calling. And here's the last thing. We have to stay connected to the bigger picture. We have to stay connected to the bigger picture. There's a young couple in our church that Carly and I had the pleasure of spending some time with recently. Uh, Their names are Molly and Adam Yusuf. And uh, while we were at dinner one night, Molly told us her story. And uh, I actually asked her permission to to use this story today because I think it's one of the most incredible stories about what to do when God calls you outside of your comfort zone. You see, Molly Molly was born to a drug-addicted mother. She came out of the womb addicted to anything and everything that you can think of and was going through life-threatening withdrawals as an infant. The social workers told Molly's mom that obviously there was no way they were going to allow her to keep her. So Molly's mom called her sister, Molly's biological aunt, and said, Hey, do you want this kid? And Molly's biological aunt, you know, she had already had five kids and she didn't know if this was really the season of life that God had for her anymore. But she wanted to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, so she drove down to the hospital to see Molly. She was met with a really heartbreaking scene. There's this little tiny baby girl curled up in a little ball with tubes and wires attached to every place imaginable, just curled up and screaming in pain. The doctors couldn't really give a good prognosis and they didn't know what the future for Molly looked like. And so Molly's biological aunt, she left the, she left the hospital and wanted to go home with her husband and really pray about this life-altering decision that was in front of her. And while they were talking at home, the story goes is that a, a commercial came on the TV. And this commercial was a picture looking into an ICU ward of a hospital just like the one that she had just been at. As the doors opened in this commercial, they saw these pictures of babies going through withdrawals and suffering brutal side effects, just like the way they had seen Molly just hours before. But probably the most heartbreaking part of this story is that in big, bold letters, in big, bold letters, above the doors to this ICU ward in this commercial, were the words, born losers. And can I just tell you, as a a next-gen director, as someone who believes in the next generation, that God's going to use them in a mighty way, like, don't tell me that somebody's a born loser. Don't ever say that to me, because I know that my God can do a miracle in any situation. Like, that fires me up, everybody. And so it had this sign, born losers. And it was in that moment, the story goes, That Molly's aunt, she says that the Holy Spirit spoke into her in that moment. 
And the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to show you what I healthy with a born loser. If you fast forward to today, Molly is a healthy, incredible, loving young woman. And she was actually just nominated as DFW's, one, one of DFW's top 100 nurses. Like, church, <laughs> I, I'm trying to encourage you this morning. Like, our God can take a situation that's so dark, that's so brutal, that's so hopeless and so lifeless, and turn it into something incredible. That's the type of God that we serve, everybody. So one of the last verses that we get about Mary is when Jesus is 33 and he's on the cross. And Mary's watching the child that she carried in her womb be executed. You know, we we talk about the story of the cross a lot from Jesus' perspective and the sacrifice that he made and the life that he laid down. And and we talk a lot about it from from God's perspective, the Father's perspective of, of giving his one and only son. But have you ever thought about it from Mary's perspective? Have you ever thought about the the agony that would have been going on in her mind? And Jesus, by the way, he's so incredible. He's hanging there, blood dripping down his face, nails in his hands and in his feet. And he still has the ability in all of his own need to care for somebody else. He looks down at Mary and he says, hey, mom. I, uh, I can't really be your son anymore. See, I, I, got, I got some things I got to go take care of. I got to pay for Mikey Faulkner's sins. He says, but I want to introduce you to John. See, John's going to be your son. He looks at John, he says, hey, John, man, I need you to take care of mom for me. And then he dies. And Mary walks away from that scene, what would that be like for her? Her son is gone. How did she make it? How do we make it in situations like that? In the hardest times of our life, the most confusing times of our life, do you want to know the answer today, church? The answer is that we have to focus our attention. We have to focus our perspective on heaven. It's heaven. Heaven is the answer. Like, I think that we put too much of our hope and too much of our happiness in a place that we're just passing through. The Bible talks about hope a lot, but when it talks about heaven, it calls it a blessed hope. So so hope, 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 but then when we talk about heaven, it's, it's a blessed hope. It's the best hope. When we get to see Jesus face to face, Mikey, I, man, you, you don't get it. You're 27. You, you've not had the life experience that I've had. You, you just don't understand. You, you, you don't realize what I'm going through. You don't know the hardship that's facing me right now. And church, I'm going to be totally transparent with you. You're probably right. You're probably right. But I do promise you, and even though I don't know, we have a God in heaven who's looking down at you and saying, I love you. I care about you. Lean on me. I know how confused you are. I know how hurt you are. I know how frustrated you are. I know how broken you feel. But I promise I'm good enough. I promise I'll be faithful. 
I promise I'll never forsake you. And it's our job, church, to lean into that promise. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, we just ask that for those of us in the room that feel hurt and broken and confused and frustrated, that that we feel like we're being called outside of our comfort zone, just ask that you would just come and meet us in this place. Show your love, God, in a mighty, tangible way that we can feel, that we can experience. Let us cut out all of the, the chatter of the outside world and let us focus on hearing your voice. Because, God, you're all that matters. And I know, Lord, that if we put our trust and our hope and our faith in you, that you will come through 100% of the time. That's who you are. You are a faithful God. You will never leave us, and you will never forsake us. And that is the trust that we have for you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said,